following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. I uh, would like to ask you, as we get started, to think about a time, um, to remember a time that you think of as the good old days. Right? So um, a time that, that you wish you could go back to or a time when you felt like things were really great. Whatever, however you might interpret that. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to type a phrase into the chat to describe that time. You know, um, something like uh, junior high. <laughs> Although nobody thinks junior high was the good old days. Um, uh, <laughs> um, it gets better, uh, junior high friends. Um, anyway, I'm going to ask you to, to type something in the chat in just a minute. So be thinking about a time when you when you uh, when you would like to. Um, something you'd like to go back to maybe, something like that. Um, while you're thinking about that, I, I want to tell you about two really exciting seasonal things that are coming up. First of all, um, next week in the lectionary texts, we have uh, the Magnificat, which is um, Mary's song of praise when she visits her sister Elizabeth and um, the uh, the child leaps in her womb. Um, it's... Uh, an absolutely stunning prayer, and it's very powerful. And I've I've thought for years that I would really love to have a woman preach the Magnificat. Um, it really should be a woman. And we've never been able to do that, at least as far as I can remember. The closest that we seem to get is to have a woman read the text, which is wonderful. Um, but I'm happy to say that this year we do have a woman who's going to preach the passage, uh, the Magnificat. And uh, that woman is Hannah Vickner Howe. And I am super excited to hear from her next week. She's going to be preaching the Magnificat uh, from a feminist reading. And it's a very um, appropriate way to think about that text. So uh, can't wait for that. And yeah, Adele says, give it up for Hannah. Absolutely. It's going to be wonderful. And what's more is my hope is to have the entire liturgy be... Um, led uh, and facilitated by women. And so you may see my face on the Zoom meeting. I may appear in one of the pre-recorded music pieces. I'm not sure. But other than that, you won't hear from me next week. I will be participating and sitting back and soaking in the wisdom and wonder of this passage. Um, and so I can't wait for that. And uh, you might feel even encouraged to invite a friend to join us on Zoom or Facebook Live next week for that. The other seasonal thing that uh, we've got cooking here, uh, I mentioned the pre-recorded music that we've been doing. I've kind of figured out how to um, record people asynchronously. That's one of those words that we didn't know before COVID, right? Asynchronous. Um, unless you're a really nerdy gamer, then you might. But um, I've figured out how to record people's musical participation asynchronously and put it together. And you've seen that in some of the music that we've done over the last few weeks. I want to do a version of that that's a kid's choir. And so we're not going to get the Christmas pageant this year that we all love. Um, but I believe that we can put together a kid's choir this week. We're going to turn it around quick, parents. Um, that's okay. You don't have anywhere to go, right? <laughs> um, so uh, you should receive an email from me today if you are a parent uh, asking you if your child would like to participate in this way, to make a simple recording of them singing along with a track 
and to send that to me. And then uh, I hope by next Sunday we will have this version of this this kids choir that's on Zoom, and I'll be able to show it to you, and it'll be really beautiful and wonderful. So, if you don't get that email from me today and you have a child who would like to participate, it's probably just a database error. So feel free to reach out to me directly. I am not omitting anybody on purpose. You can email me, um, scott at artisanchurch.com. And uh, I would love to have as many kids as possible um, drop into that kids choir. They're just going to sing joy to the world and, and we're going to really love it. Um, and if we don't get it ready for Sunday next week, we'll, we'll maybe we'll release it on Christmas Eve or something like that. Okay. So have you been thinking about the time uh, in your past that you consider to be the good old days? What was it? Can you put something in the chat? A, a, a quick few words or a phrase? Uh, okay, 2019. Okay, right out of the gate. <laughs> I meant I, I meant to make a note saying, um, please don't just say <laughs> um, right before this. Um, but I totally feel it. I totally feel the before times. Absolutely. Um, what? Uh, okay, so Catherine says college, uh, rose-colored glasses. Ken says, childhood, except parts of that were awful too. Interesting. 2016 before November, uh, you said it, not me. Um, the kids table. Oh, what a great salad days kind of thing. Growing up with cousins. I love it, Kim. Weekends along the Susquehanna River at my grandparents' bungalow. Wow, that sounds wonderful. Kristen, thank you. Del says, traveling to Spain, France, Italy, and Paris. Sounds like my sabbatical. Oh, Jesse says, dating my now husband. I assume it's still pretty great though, right? I don't know. Um, Tim says, being in Branson, Missouri. Eau Claire, I said that, with, with my cousin. Love it, yes. Camping in the Adirondacks. Yes, almost every camping trip is the good old days. Uh, Jolene says, teaching at GCCS. Uh, Jolene was um, the teacher for one of my, my children at GCCS. So I think those as the good old days as well. Family vacations. Yeah, yeah. Um, Es en Provence and post-graduation European travel. Did I say the French correctly there? Not too bad, right? Hudson says, in-person school with classmates. Oh, Hudson, I totally get it. I totally get it. All right, and I'll make Avila's the last one, but feel free to keep putting them in there because I like, I like what Avila says. This is too hard. There are positives and negatives to every time, and that is so true. Even my little joke about junior high a few minutes ago, um, I had some wonderful moments in junior high. And um, so, yeah. Wow, thank you all for sharing those great moments. I'll come back to that idea in a few minutes, but today is the third Sunday in Advent. And um, the lectionary texts this week seem to revolve around a particular theme. By the way, did you read uh, the lectionary texts ahead this week? Can you give me a little thumbs up or a wave or a, you know, a yes, uh, go me if you read the texts ahead of time? <clears throat> Um, you can always find those texts by just Googling the word lectionary, and it'll give you a list of the passages that we're going to be looking at in the coming week, especially during a season like Advent. That can be a really beautiful thing to do. Um, the recurring theme of the texts this week is the return from exile. So the people of God had been conquered 
by the Babylonians and carried out, kidnapped essentially, carried out into exile. And then after many years under the Persian regime, they had been allowed to return to their land and they had been allowed to rebuild their temple and they had been allowed to restore their lives to what they always imagined that they were supposed to be. And so we read the opening line uh, to today's psalm in that light. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And we get these words from the prophet Isaiah. This is from chapter 61, the first few verses. And I'm, I'm just giving you little, little snippets of it. it. says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted. What a powerful image that is. To proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion. And then here's the part that's about the return from exile. He says, they shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now, this passage from Isaiah 61 is, of course, the passage that Jesus reads in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 in what you might call his first sermon. He reads that text, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor and so on. And Jesus reads those words in the first person. God has anointed me to proclaim good news and release to the captives. And then he concludes it he, and he says, he rolls up the scroll, um, which is the uh, ancient Near Eastern equivalent of dropping the mic. <laughs> and he says, uh, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, uh, that did not go over very well with the people. Um, <clears throat> but when I was reading through all these passages uh, for today, when I was reading through them at the start of the Advent series, putting this, this whole thing uh, at the start of the Advent season, putting this whole series together, what really stood out to me from this week's reading was the psalm. Remember I mentioned it a minute ago, uh, the one that, that starts out, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Um, because you can read that psalm really joyfully, but I actually read it somewhat wistfully. As a song celebrating the good old days, but perhaps regarded from a future that knows more about how everything turned out, right? It's kind of like the, the psalm equivalent of looking back at a, a season in life when that was really good, but knowing that that didn't last forever and that maybe we didn't even have the full story of what was going on in that time. Now, of course, this is poetry, right? So it, it's always going to land differently for different people. It's going to land differently for the same people at different times. Um, but for me today, this is how this psalm is landing. Like, even if you just look at some of the words in that first line of the psalm, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, that word when signifies a time that isn't now, right? Doesn't it? 
we were like those who dream. That's great and everything, but it sort of also seems to imply that we're not exactly like that anymore. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Right? Do you hear all of this wistfulness in there? It can't just be me, right? So these words when and then, they they make us think of a past, right? And it's almost like there's this spiritual Uncle Rico thing going on. Do you remember Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> He's the one who's always like thinking back to the glory days of high school football. You know, back in 82, he says, right? And we all maybe have some kind of version of back in 82 when back then when things were simpler, <laughs> Then I hadn't yet experienced all the kicks in the gut that life has to offer. So when and then are words that can make us wish for a past when things were better, when things were simpler. But then I get to thinking that when and then can also apply to the future in a similar way. You could use those same words with the same wistful tone, but be thinking about the future, couldn't you? When I finally go off to college and get out of my parents' house, things will be different, right? Or if I get a better job, then I will not have to eat rice and beans every night for dinner. After COVID is over, then I will get serious about my faith. When so-and-so stops holding a grudge against me, I'll stop holding a grudge against them. Then I will forgive them, or then I'll ask them for forgiveness. Hmm. But of course, neither the future nor the past are available to us right now. The only time that we have is the present, and the only day that we can control is today. And that may sound like kind of a self-helpy sort of truism that's not nothing to do with spirituality or with uh, religion or with following Jesus. But I actually think it's very spiritual to remember that the only day we can control is today. And so I want to close with um, one brief observation from one of the other passages today. And it's from the First Thessalonians passage. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Now, the problem with having the lectionary give us so many rich texts is that it's sometimes hard to focus in and know where we should spend our time. And they all intertwine. And, and um, I, I could go very long on this kind of thing. But I just want to limit myself right now to that one sentence, do not quench the spirit. That is really, if you think about it, a pretty remarkable instruction to get. Um, how could we possibly quench the spirit? The Holy Spirit does what she wants. And there is plenty of evidence in the New Testament that 
it's not always what the people want, <laughs> at least not at first. So quenching the spirit, I mean, you can try, good luck. And yet the instruction is right there in the, in the epistle reading today. Do not quench the spirit. And it hit me that I think this is not so much a warning against quenching the spirit from working in the broader world because we couldn't do that. It's a warning against quenching the spirit working in our own lives. Because that same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus the Messiah to proclaim good news to the poor wants to anoint you to bring good news into the world in all the many forms that that can take. And don't get too hung up on that. Sometimes you hear the phrase like you are designed to bring the good news to the world and it and you think like, well, I guess I better like start handing out gospel tracts at the grocery store or something, right? It's not what that's not what sharing the good news means. That is such a tiny tiny little sliver of what the good news is and what sharing the good news could look like and could mean. We all get to point people to the light of the world in our own way, right? Remember that text from the gospel reading, John came to testify to the light. John was not the light. He came to point people to the light. And we all have the the power in the Holy Spirit to be pointing people to the light of the world. But we also can quench the fire of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. And this means that we will not be able to participate with God in the remaking of the world. Now, I suppose I could write a whole series of sermons on the ways that we quench the spirit, right? Distractions or temptations or misunderstandings. I mean, the context of the passage today seems to be that quenching the spirit happens when we sin, right? But given the words from today's psalm, I just want to say to you that one way that you can end up quenching the spirit is, is to live in the past or to live in the future. And so that one way to avoid quenching the spirit is to live in this very moment right now, right here, to be grounded in today. So the work of God in your life and then through you and hopefully through all of us, the work of God in the world That work is immediate. It's for now. It's for today. There's no fixing the past. And the future doesn't exist yet. So if we can be centered and grounded in what the Spirit wants to do in our lives right now, and through us what God wants to do in the whole world right now, I think that would be an excellent spiritual posture and practice to take. And so... In order to help us sit with the Spirit of God in this moment, I have a brief um, body prayer that I want to ask you to pray with me. Now, this is going to involve doing something with your hands. And so if you would be more comfortable with your video turned off, you can turn your video off if you want to do this more privately. Um, But if you would feel more blessed by having it on, and so you can see others doing the same thing, you can turn your videos on. And I, I don't know which type of person you are or which type of church we might be in this moment, but either way is okay. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. 
wherever you are, listening to this live, watching on Zoom or participating on Facebook, listening on the podcast, watching later on the video archive. Um, we are in the present right now. And so I want you to hold out your left hand. And I want you to uh, imagine that your left hand is the past. All those things that you're holding, those memories, good and bad, those things that are so hard to let go of. And I want you to turn that palm upside down to symbolize the release of that past. And then I want you to hold out your right hand next to it. And I want you to imagine your future. All those things that haven't happened yet that you can't control. And I want you to turn your palm up to symbolize your openness and your willingness to be present in that day when it becomes the present. And then you have these two hands. I want you to bring them together, the past and the future coming together, and you put your hands together right in front of your heart. And as past and future meet, just be present here for a moment and take a deep breath or two. The creator who gave you breath, the God whose heart beats with yours, that God is here with you in the present right now. The Redeemer who gave his last breath, the God whose heart stopped on the cross, that God is here with you right now. The fire that burned in the hearts of the Israelites, the God whose heart for the oppressed threw open the doors of the kingdom in the days of the early church, that God is here with you now. Pressing your hands together, feeling the past and the future meet in this moment, know that this God dwells with you. Know the love of this God and love this God. And may you carry this love with you today and always. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.